0: Hello, welcome to Series 2 of Diary She Wrote. I'm Liz Beardsell, and if you've listened to Series 1, you already know quite a lot about me. And I'm back to share another eight episodes of my uncensored thoughts and experiences straight from my diaries. Series 2 looks at the pressure of dating in your 30s, uncomfortable intimate encounters before me too, exploring sexual desires, solo holidays to remember, and there is a nostalgic look back at summer festivals and 17-year-old me. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed, rated and reviewed so far. If you've been enjoying the episodes and haven't yet subscribed, rated and reviewed, I would love it if you could. It's so helpful when it comes to supporting the podcast. And if you know anyone who would also enjoy the stories, please do tell your friends. Send them a voice note, share a screenshot of the podcast on your stories, tweet about it during your lunch break, write about it in a letter. I love a letter. Or maybe buy them a diary. I've loved hearing your feedback, so please do continue to contact me at info at diaryshewrote.com or message me on Instagram at diaryshewrote.com where I share regular snippets from my diaries. As with Series 1, the episodes are not in chronological order, but there are overlapping storylines and characters running throughout, so I recommend that you listen in order, from Series 1, Episode 1. A new episode will be shared next Sunday at midday. All names and some factual details have been changed to protect people's identity. This episode contains sexual content and language listeners may find offensive. Episode 10. Another blood test. Having spent time dating Jack, which had been the closest thing to a relationship in five years, it made me realise that if I do meet the right person, it's likely I will want kids to be part of our future. There is endless research you can do when it comes to learning about the fertility of women at various stages of their life. But the British Fertility Society says, at birth, most girls have about two million eggs. At adolescence that number has gone down to about 400,000 and at the age of 37 there remain about 25,000. As I was approaching 36 I had made the decision to use my savings to freeze my eggs. And by no means is freezing your eggs a guarantee of conception. But it does act as a little security blanket. For me the entire process lasted about four months. My clinic closely monitored my menstrual cycles. There were endless blood tests and scans they prescribed the relevant medication to first get my hormones to the optimum level and to then stimulate my egg growth. I had to inject my own medication and the closer it got to my egg removal date, the more I had to do. Some days I'd have two blood tests and I'd do three injections at various points throughout the day. It was an upheaval on my body, both physically and mentally. Reading back, it was quite a tricky time to reflect on. I was suddenly acutely aware and envious of my friends developing family situations And I think this was one of the loneliest points of my 30s and where my desire to meet someone was at its peak. The episode is taken from a five-month period from September 2017 to February 2018. You will hear me repeat the last day from episode one, Dexter Turner, as the stories cross over the same time period. Sunday the 10th of September 2017. A very poignant Notting Hill Carnival had just marked the terrible tragedy of Grenfell Tower, where 72 lives were lost. Harvey Weinstein was just about to be accused of sexual assault for the first time, kicking off a a two-and-a-half-year battle to place him behind bars. And the incredible Jacinda Ardern was just about to be elected as the youngest female head of government for New Zealand at the age of 37. I am 35, and I am just picking myself up from yesterday. The end of episode 9, Hold My Hand, when Jack ended things. And when I say things, I mean dating. Just two people getting to know each other to see if a relationship was an option. Woke up early and had a little cry, and then thankfully got the motivation and energy to go for a run. I'm sure it's almost been a year, but I ran 9 k. I really surprised myself. I didn't cry either. During the run, I was going over yesterday in my head, but I didn't come to any new conclusions. I ran along the canal, through Victoria Park, London Fields and Dalston, Part of me wanted Jack to see me, so he would think, oh there she is, just getting on with it. I went down to Columbia Road and bought some plants and house flowers as they always cheer me up. Beth rang and I talked her through yesterday. I downloaded Happen too, I need a distraction. But as expected, the dating apps are still a little deflating. I put on my profile I was looking for a relationship. Part of me wanted Jack to message. He's changed his WhatsApp picture back to his original, I want to know why. Monday, the 11th of September. Simone started today. She seems nice, confident, conscientious. I had my gym session with Faith and told her what had happened with Jack. She gave me some really lovely compliments. I wish I could see what others see in me, so I could have more belief in myself. Tuesday, the 12th of September. I'm starting to feel better about the Jack situation. I was meant to meet Beth this evening. She wasn't feeling well, so I had to cancel. But she was quite keen to still chat. I thought, oh, maybe she's pregnant. she is. I'm so pleased for them. But I can't help but feel a little sad and left behind. All of a sudden I'm starting to want a family and it's so far out of reach. I was on Happen again this evening, looking for a husband. Wednesday the 4th of October, three weeks after Jack ended things. I met Heather for dinner. I mentioned that she might like Jack's housemate and suggested setting them up and she was like, go on then. So I messaged Jack saying, Hey, how are you? Hope you're good. I'm with Heather. She's back from travelling. Do you remember I thought she might get on with Eddie? I was wondering if he would be up for being set up. He replied almost straight away, as he always did, saying, Hey, I'm good. Just back from Berlin. How are you? Yeah, I'll ask him. And we set them up. It was good to chat to him briefly and clear the air in case we bump into each other. Sunday, the 8th of October. Oh, I forgot to say, Jack messaged yesterday. I was so excited to see his name pop up on my phone, thinking, yes, he wants to carry on chatting, but it's the text you never want to see from someone you've been sleeping with. He said he was showing symptoms of chlamydia and asked if I'd been checked recently. I do need to get checked again as part of the egg freezing process, and it will be good for peace of mind. Thursday, the 12th of October. After paying my deposit online a few weeks ago, I had my first appointment at the egg freezing clinic today, and I had to pay another chunk of money for the doctor to talk at me, About the whole process, reading off the same speech, drawing the same diagrams, answering the same questions he no doubt does day in, day out. I need to request some tests from the doctors to provide a printout to show I'm clear of any STIs. Friday the 13th of October. I was excited for Friday the 13th. I felt like I was going to have a great day. And for part of it, I did. But Jack messaged to say his results had come back positive for chlamydia. Fuck, have I given it to him? How long have I had it? Who do I need to tell? The sexual health clinic was fully booked. I'm going back on Monday. Saturday the 14th of October. I went to stay with Dawn and Tim. Stepping into their home is like stepping into happiness. The kids are just so lovely and fun to be around. I sat with the boys watching a film and then rescued Lillian from wetting the bed. She's so adorable. It's just so lovely holding her and her hugging you back. The babysitter arrived and then we headed out to a taco bar. I got stuck with some intense guy on coke who kept repeating himself. Came back at midnight. I thought we'd go to bed, but they put music on and we danced and chatted in the kitchen. Looking on at that moment, I felt quite envious of their life. They have really nailed it. Surrounded by great family and friends, a lovely home, the best kids and their loving life. I wanted to be dancing with my boyfriend in our kitchen. Monday the 16th of October. Went to the hospital to get my STI test. Had a nice nurse. She said that as I'd been sexually active without protection with Jack, it was almost certain I would also have chlamydia and gave me four tablets to take then and there. Wednesday the 18th of October. Jack messaged to see how I got on. I was thinking, does he want to carry on chatting? Is he using it as a reason to keep in touch? Not for a relationship, but as mates. I'd like that. Monday the 23rd of October. I got my test results and thankfully I only tested positive for chlamydia. I let Jack know and then message the seven people who may be affected and should really get checked too. I still need to tell Dexter. Friday the 27th of October, the last diary entry from episode one, Dexter Turner. Met Willow for breakfast, returned boots and got the train home. Long delay, so only just made my doctor's appointment. I messaged Dexter now I was out with Birmingham and let him know about the chlamydia and I wasn't expecting a response, but after an hour I could see he was typing. I had to take a screenshot in case I'd imagined it. But the message came through saying, Crikey, hi, I was tested in February 17 and October 17, and if I remember correctly, we hooked up in November 16. And apologises for not replying. He said he'd been busy and out of Birmingham this weekend and told me to enjoy the city. I replied and said, good to know, helps me figure out who gave it to me. Appreciate the apology for not replying. I was in Birmingham on Tuesday, not this weekend. I wanted to say don't contact me again when you're high, but it felt like unnecessary drama. I also wanted to say, but do contact me when you're sober. But I need to accept he's not interested. He had his chance when I said I'd be in Birmingham and he didn't reply. I went to the doctors. My period had started and I was feeling a bit emotional. The doctor called me in, a dithery man, younger than me, a bit meek and socially awkward. He kept apologising for his printer not working and then asked what was wrong with me. I said I'm freezing my eggs and handed him a piece of paper explaining I needed results for the three things listed. He looked at the paper and then at me and said... I don't know what AMH is, sorry. No one has ever asked me that before. You're the first person I've had who's freezing their eggs. Can you find out what it is and come back? And I said, no, I'm not coming back. I had an appointment last week and it was cancelled and it's impossible to get an appointment. Let's Google it. He said, no, I don't want to Google it. That's not professionally or medically OK. So I said, well, let's ring the clinic and find out what it is. He did and he said, no, AMH's not on the NHS. We don't offer that service. And then he changed his mind and gave me two pieces of paper with what I'd asked for written on them. And I was like, is that it? I've booked to have these tests, that's why I'm here. And he said, oh no, you need to book a blood test at reception with the nurse. I wanted to scream at him and tears were welling up. I packed up my bags and he could see I was crying and he felt awful and asked if I wanted to talk and if he could come to reception with me. I just had to exit. And then he came and stood with me queuing for a reception and asked, why are you in such a rush? I wanted to shout at him, because I'm almost 36, I'm single, I'd like a family, and I'm having to freeze my eggs. And every day my eggs are dying, you fucking idiot, that's why I'm in a rush. But instead, I just smiled and said it's fine, I'm okay, and tried to make him feel less mortified and upset. I walked home, holding back the tears and then exploded when I locked myself in. had to sort myself out to meet Beth, went to Wilton's music hall to see the new Les Enfants Terribles production, so entertaining, but made for kids and I was watching, thinking, I wish I was there with Jack and our kids. Monday, the 30th of October. Beth had her three-month scan today, and everything is looking good. She shared the news with the school WhatsApp group, and for the first time ever I felt left out over kids and twinges of jealousy, as I'm now the only one without them. And this is the last emotion I want to feel when my best friend is pregnant. Saturday, the 11th of November. I managed to pull together a great outfit for my birthday drinks and thank God I looked nice, as Jack was coincidentally in the pub. Luckily, he saw me just as I was telling a great story. Everyone was laughing with me. I had a solid 15 friends on the table, so I would have looked popular too. He came over and said hi, chatted, and he bought me a drink. And then he sat on a table next to us and I was conscious of him all night. I caught his eye a few times and then he came to say bye when he left. It was so nice to see him. I doubt I could be mates with him. I'd fancy him too much. Monday the 13th of November. I turned 36 today. Christ, I would be fine if I'd found a partner and we had a kid on the way, but I'm so far from that. Friday the 24th of November, six weeks since my first egg freezing appointment. My period started yesterday, so I had to go to the clinic for a blood test for the start of my monitoring cycle. They rang me in the afternoon to say something about my hormones being quite high and asked me to come back next week for another blood test, so they could check it again. I looked at the medical term she'd referenced and saw the words tumour, cancer, infertile, so I stopped looking and instead just had a mild internal panic at my desk. Saturday, the 25th of November. You know, I never would have thought at the age of 36 I'd still be getting upset and crying on my way home, but it turns out emotions never stop. Saturday, the 2nd of December. Had netball and then went in for a blood test feeling a little nervous about the outcome. I got the results around 3pm and it was all positive, so it means I can now start the next step of the process, weeing on a stick to confirm ovulation. I made a chilli con carne and watched films. I thought about Jack as I do when I feel lonely. He messaged this evening. We had a nice chat. I want to know why he messages. Does he want to be friends or is he still thinking about me the way that I think about him? Man, I really want to fall in love. My friendship group is shrinking, so I've had so many Friday and Saturday nights in recently. Now is the age I should have a baby and be stuck at home for that reason. Tuesday, the 12th of December, two months since my first egg freezing appointment. Had my final blood test to confirm I'd ovulated and all good, so that's my monitoring cycle done. Monday, the 25th of December, mum made scrambled eggs and smoked salmon for breakfast. We opened our presents, I get the same every year. We had a nice lunch and mum got us to play a game which was fun. I really hope I have my own family one day, so we can start our own Christmas traditions. Tuesday the 26th of December. Jack is on my mind. I often wonder if we could navigate a friends with benefits situation. Would I be okay with just sex, or would I want more again? Thursday the 28th of December. I met Beth for a few drinks at the Crooked Billet. I need a male Beth. She picked up on the need to help me find someone and is keen to help, and she suggested meeting guys in pubs, and I don't want to be negative, but it's just so rare to meet people in real life nowadays. 2018, Friday the 12th of January. Came home, had dinner and passed some time before the cinema, but I started crying. I was upset that this was my Friday night again, going to the cinema by myself just so I didn't have to sit alone in the flat. I tried to get it all out and hoped my eyes would go back to normal by the time I got to the cinema. I felt self-conscious, but tried to look confident walking in and sitting by myself. Watched three billboards, which was brilliant, and it temporarily transported me from reality. But then, 30 seconds after leaving, I felt sad again, and the tears were coming back, and I unjustifiably hate the couple in front of me, and in my head I'm screaming, I want that. Walking home, I'm looking in on family homes and wondering if that will ever be my life. It was fine when I was out all the time, but my diary is empty, no one is inviting me out and I'm lonely and sad. I have to focus on my breathing to stop me crying until I allow it to start again when I get to the end of my road and then I'm sobbing and breathing deeply and rushing for my door and I cry on my bedroom floor in front of my mirror uncontrollably struggling to breathe. When I calm myself, I sit with my hands over my face leaning against the wardrobe and I'm in a moment of calm and tranquility and in that moment... I feel like I can separate myself from the loneliness. This can't be it. I was once told that maybe in your last life you were in love. But for this life, you need to learn lessons about being alone to help you in your next life. But I don't want those lessons. I don't want this life. Saturday, the 13th of January. I went for a run. I had puffy eyes from crying myself to sleep. I cried again tonight at the thought of reality, and I prayed, which I've not done for years. Tuesday the 16th of January, three months since my first egg freezing appointment. Up early for another blood test and scan. And then I was given my medication from reception. I have to drink a ridiculous amount of milk and water and eat little and often and I'm not allowed to exercise. At around 4pm I received a phone call with my instructions. They want me to inject daily until Sunday to lower my hormone levels. Dealing with needles feels like such an alien concept for someone not in the medical industry. It seems mad that we are trusted to measure out medication and inject ourselves. I was so worried, thinking, well, what if I can't do it? What if it hurts? What if I do it wrong? This does not feel safe. I watched a how-to-inject video on YouTube that the clinic had sent me and freaked out, but I had to do it, so I cleaned my desk, laid down tissues, medication and needles and managed to inject myself. It went into a little rash at first and then a bump and now it's bruised. I feel delicate and off-kilter already on day one. Wednesday, the 17th of January. I did my injections at 7am. I've committed to this time every day. I'm not sure I'm doing it 100% right. At least there was no bruise today. Sunday, the 21st of January. Up early again for injections. Then had a blood test and a scan. I thought I'd be able to start stimulation today, but my hormones are still too high. So I've got to carry on as before until Wednesday. Monday, the 22nd of January. My period unexpectedly started today. Heavy, like a normal first day. Even though it finished on Wednesday last week, I'm really looking forward to not fucking with my body anymore, eating normally and being able to exercise. Wednesday, the 24th of January. Another blood test, and again they said I have to carry on with the same medication, but now twice a day. Saturday, the 27th of January. Three and a half months since my first egg freezing appointment. I got a call to say that I can now start stimulation treatment. These instructions are a bit more complicated. Now there is a glass valve involved. You have to snap it at exactly the right place or the glass shatters. I wasted so many valves doing it wrong. Again, this does not seem safe. What if you accidentally inject a shard of glass? It's fucking transparent. Sunday, the 28th of January. Up early for injections, had my blood test, then headed over to Chloe's event, but I got a message on the way saying I needed to inject then and there. The venue's bathroom was a kind of garden, outdoor setup. So I had to choose between a mossy brick wall near the outside toilets or in front of the guests in the hired room. I chose the wall. Thank God Mel was there to help. I kept doing it wrong again, breaking the glass valves and forgetting to push the air out of the needle. Tuesday the 30th of January. Up at 6am, injected and in for a scan and blood test. They asked how I was feeling and let me know that week two of stimulation will get even more full on. But by the end of the day I already feel terrible, exhausted, shaky, gross and I have a headache. Thursday, the 1st of February. My ovaries feel heavy and full. I feel faint and like I'm moving in slow motion. Sunday, the 4th of February. Caught upon on admin and went through old happen matches and messaged seven of them still active. And then I saw Jack on there. He looked so hot. I took a screenshot and sent it to him, letting him know how hot he looked. He said, oh, thanks, just driving. Will message when I park up? He asks how 2018 has been so far. I tell him January was very work-focused and that I've been freezing my eggs so social life has been quiet. We talked about the dating apps has been draining. We exchanged dating stories. He'd met someone in a cafe, old school, a real-life meeting. And he had thought it was meant to be. He's a romantic like me. We talk about wanting to start a revolution and get people chatting again in real life. I tell him a rare, eligible single man like him will get snapped up and he returns the compliment saying I'm a real catch. He said he wished he wasn't so sensitive and could get away with just having casual sex with people. I said, I guess those days of casual sex are gone. We chat some more and then wrap it up. And a few hours later, he picks up the conversation again, commenting on a mutual friend we share on Facebook. And then he says, thanks for saying I looked hot earlier. I appreciated it. It actually made me horny. I said, but you can't do casual sex. He said, I know, but I want to. Can you? I can with some people, but I don't know if I can with you. Yeah, fair enough, it probably wouldn't be right. I can still think about it though, right? Yeah, when I masturbate I think of you. Which part do you think of? You talking dirty and this didn't happen, but fucking in my hallway against the glass door. He says we should have done that, and we talk about how good the sex was, and I say maybe once I've stopped the egg freezing treatment, we can meet for a drink and see if casual sex is an option. He said yeah, it'd be good to catch up either way. Sex only if it feels right, as it would be silly to cause complications. But I do enjoy sex with you for sure. And I say, yeah, either way, it'd be nice to see you. Tuesday, the 6th of February. Had two blood tests and a scan. They said my womb and lining are looking good. I now have seven to eight follicles on each side, each measuring roughly 14 millimeters, But they need to be 17 to 20 millimeters wide, so I need to wait a few more days. I started chatting to a guy called Todd yesterday from Happen. He's entertaining. And after a bit of back and forth, he asked if I wanted to go for a drink on Wednesday. I really liked his straightforward approach. Wednesday, the 7th of February. Another blood test. I felt drained, so I went for a pancake and hot chocolate before work. Came back for the second test and scan, and I was feeling really emotional over the smallest things. And then when I was walking back, I struggled to move quickly. I had to stop, sit, and gather myself on someone's doorstep. I just wanted to cry and to be hugged. I came home for food and to get ready to meet Todd. He was chatty in a way I later realised was nerves as he apologised for it. I said how I admire people who can talk and he said the same of listeners, much braver to sit in silence. Without mentioning the egg freezing, he spoke about how unfair it was that women have a biological clock and questioned if men had a biological clock, would things be different? Would the government have invested in extending fertility if it was a male problem? Thursday the 8th of February up at 5.30 for a 7am blood test. I felt light-headed and slow again. The doctor said I needed salt to balance all the water I'd been drinking, which really helped. I had to take the rest of the day as a sick day and have booked tomorrow off completely. I got home, got into bed feeling useless, had a little sleep and then I had to inject again. I was hoping I would be asked to trigger the eggs today, but they are still not ready. Saturday the 10th of February. First blood test at Second blood test and scan at midday. I now have ten follicles on my right ovary and seven on my left. He said I was almost ready to trigger, and then they called at 4 to say I could trigger tonight at 9.15 exactly. The importance of the time made me a bit on edge, but I set it all up and did it between 9.15 and 9.16. And tomorrow, I get a day off. No 6am alarm, no injections, no blood test. What a treat. The first time since mid-January. Monday, the 12th of February four months since my first egg freezing appointment. Up at 5am, switched the heating on and hid the key for Willow so she could let herself in for the photo shoot at the flat. I arrived at the clinic at 7am and had my initial chat with them. I found out I have to drink four litres of water and a litre of milk every day for another two weeks and have to continue eating small and little every few hours. That made me so sad. I want to get back in shape. I feel so overweight at the moment and there are only a few things I feel comfortable wearing. I was thirsty and hungry, but I wasn't allowed to eat or drink until after the egg removal. Then I was taken down to wait in the recovery room at 8.30. I sat nervous, observing others go in and out and waiting for my slot. A lady had to jump the queue as she was about to ovulate. She was a total hypochondriac, adding unnecessary drama to an already pressured situation. They took me in, knocked me out. And when I came round, I was convinced I was lying on my kitchen table, listening to six music with all these medical staff in my kitchen. I started crying and then slowly came around, aware that the tears were just a reaction from the anaesthetic. As I lay, waiting to hear how many eggs they were able to extract, I could overhear the women who went in before me being told their number. And of course, for the majority, they were here for IVF treatment, so that number had so many more emotions attached to it. It turns out they managed to extract and freeze 17 mature eggs, which I know is a great number, and I'm so grateful for my fertility levels. As I was signing out, the lady said, and is your husband coming to collect you? And I was like, no, you idiot, I'm freezing my eggs because I don't have a husband. I got in a taxi to Beth's and started to feel sick. She looked after me and made me food whilst I lay on her sofa all afternoon. I do wonder if I need to use a frozen egg. Will that egg develop as a 36-year-old me, captured in time, or as a modern-day version of me, whatever age that will be? Tuesday, the 13th of February. Nice to be back at work and in the office. My ovaries have been feeling really swollen today and I generally feel gross. I'm aware that maybe I should message Jack as I said I would once my egg freezing was done. But I don't know what to say. I need to lose weight, have a wax, I'm on my period and also I have to wait two weeks before I'm allowed to have sex. So then is it weird to message now, just for a drink? Wednesday the 14th of February. I saw a post on Instagram that said don't have unprotected sex on Valentine's. You'll give birth to a Scorpio? I sent it to Jack, as I think he's also a Scorpio, and said, I just realised I was conceived on Valentine's Day. I reckon you were too. So my eggs are all tucked up in the freezer. They got 17. I'm free tomorrow night if you want to meet. I can't have sex for two weeks, so it would just be drinks if you wanted to catch up. He replied straight away, saying he'd love to, but he had a work event and suggested next week. So we're meeting on Tuesday. And then he wished me happy Valentine's. Tuesday the 20th of February. I was meeting Jack tonight. I came home, changed into my jeans so I felt more comfortable and put on some nice underwear and then set off to the Prince George feeling good. I felt like I was going to meet a friend and had moved away from that excited date feeling. I arrived first and then I saw him in the reflection of the bar mirror standing behind me, looking so hot as always and so like someone I want to be my boyfriend. It was quite natural from the start with chats about relationships, dates we've been on, family, work, egg freezing and I thanked him for being one of the reasons I chose to freeze my eggs having realised if you meet someone that it's more likely to trigger a maternal desire. We were quite touchy throughout, but it was getting more so as the night went on, and then there were these moments that we'd shared before that would normally have led to a kiss. But then he said, I really want to have sex with you, but I don't think it's a good idea, and I felt disappointed. I think partly as he'd said it first, and partly because I thought he has said that because he thinks I still have feelings for him, and he doesn't want to hurt me, which is maybe true... I wish I knew how I'd feel after we'd had sex. I agreed with his comment, but we kept saying that we both wanted to, and then we discussed if a casual sex situation would stop us meeting someone else. He gave me a lift home, which I was hesitant over, but ignored the no-seat-belt situation and accepted. It would have been weird not to. And when he dropped me off, I said, I'm going to kiss you on the cheek, just so it was really clear that I wasn't going for the lips, but the tension was high and we both wanted to kiss. I got in and he messaged to say it was probably a good idea we didn't kiss and that I was a wise woman. But I've thought about it more and thought, well, maybe those miserable Friday and Saturday nights could be spent having sex with him instead of alone, and I proposed that idea. He agreed and said it was worth a try, but only if I was sure as he really didn't want to upset or complicate anything as he really respected me and he didn't know if he could deal with it either. I'm still worried about getting hurt, but as we're both honest, I know we will say if it's not working. And if we don't try, we'll always wonder what if. He said, you look really hot tonight. I said, thanks. He didn't see what was underneath. He said, that's not fair. Any hints? Black lace. It's not really a hint. That's just telling you. He said, was it worn on purpose? I said, it was, but to make me feel good. And he asked, did you expect to have sex? Saying he felt like he'd missed out. I said, no, I 100% knew we weren't having sex. But this was only because I wasn't allowed to. If that two-week restriction hadn't been there, who knows what the outcome would have been. Friday, the 23rd of February. I was playing on Happen and thinking about Jack and I just thought, why can't we just fall in love and be done with this dating app rubbish? And started to think, shit, maybe I can't handle this Jack plan. Sunday, the 25th of February. Got up at 9am and chatted with Jack. He's off to Berlin next week so we've booked in the 9th of March for sex. I let him know I was off to Columbia Road and he asked if I wanted a friend to join me. We met for brunch at Layla's, which was nice, and then walked to House of Hackney, Goodhood and the Flower Market. It's the Sunday I've wanted for so long, a lazy day with your really hot boyfriend. I was finally one of those smug London couples, but he's not my boyfriend and we're trying to navigate a friendship, which is fine as I know there isn't enough there for a relationship. We said bye and it had been nice. I cooked a roast, Jack messaged to say I really enjoyed hanging out as mates today and that he didn't want to mess a friendship up by complicating it with sex. I replied saying I actually feel more sure about casual sex after today. He instigated sex chat, I've not done that before, and I said, sorry, I don't know where to start. And then he came back with, OK, fair enough, I would just have to think about running my tongue over your wet clit then. And then he had me, and we sexted, and in about ten minutes, we'd both come. Thursday, the 8th of March, International Women's Day. I was walking to netball and I felt a tap on my shoulder and screamed as I do when I'm surprised. It was Jack, a nice surprise. He'd been having dinner in a restaurant and had seen me walk past, so left his mate and ran after me. He's so adorable. I wish it would work between us. We played a great game and won 18-4. Jack messaged and asked how the match was. And we had a nice chat. I just want him to say, I keep thinking about you. Let's try again. Maybe I like him more than I thought. He's taken up more headspace than I expected. But I'm still confident that if I met someone else, I could easily switch it off. Sunday, the 11th of March. I've been checking my phone all day, hoping Jack will message, and I got upset and drafted something to get my thoughts out my head. I don't know if I'm brave enough to send it, but it says, Sorry if this is out the blue, but I'm thinking about you too much, and when you message or when I see you, I get that excited feeling, and I may be hopeful that this new contact may turn into something more. I had thought knowing we didn't work, we could be friends, and I really want to be, but I think I need to cut back on the contact." Part of me hopes by sending that message he'll be like, I don't want to not see you, let's try again. But I also don't want to not see him, so I don't want to send it. But I'm so fed up of being sad. I want someone to stop the loneliness. And I know when that happens, I'll just find something else to be sad about. But I'm ready for a different kind of sadness. One that I can share with someone and they can help me with. Monday the 12th of March. I finished drafting a message for Jack. I sent it to Beth and Willow for approval. And they both said it was good. And I ran it by Grace, too, and she suggested adding in a line to ask if he was having those feelings, too, which was a really good shout. And then I sent it this evening. He rang me straight away and said, thank you for your honesty. He really respects me. He had thought that by hanging out more, he may develop feelings and wondered if he'd rushed the decision last time. But sadly, I could hear he wasn't feeling what I was. He said he'd be there if I ever needed him, and maybe one day we could be friends. I feel so sad that it stopped again, but partly relieved, it's for the best. I really thought the last time when we were messaging that he was also on his phone, not wanting the chat to stop and wanting to just tell me he likes me. Tuesday, the 13th of March, I woke up to a message from Jack saying, I hope I didn't cause too much confusion. I genuinely wanted to and enjoy spending time with you. You are a wonderful person. I wasn't going to reply, but then I did saying, there was a small part of me that thought you might have also been having those feelings. So I had to check to clear up my confusion, but I was expecting yesterday's outcome. It's been nice hanging out again, take care. He replied again to say, at first I wanted to hang out together, but then I saw you and I remembered that there were so many good things about you, and then I wasn't sure what I wanted, but I knew I didn't want to upset you. I told him he didn't upset me, and he was always open, honest and respectful. And I guess that's done, again, until next time. This is a new edition for Series 2, I just wanted to use the platform to share some podcasts that I've been enjoying, so I will recommend one each week. This week's podcast recommendation is by comedian Catherine Ryan, and it's called Telling Everybody Everything. In one of the early episodes, she recounts how her and her husband, Bobby, got together. And because I love a love story, because she delivers it with such wit, she went on to join me as my background listening whilst I completed a few thousand piece jigsaws during lockdown. There is lots of outspoken commentary in her usual comedic style about everyday life experiences and occasionally some more serious subjects, including pregnancy loss and Me Too. She brings in guest appearances from her husband Bobby and her very wise and entertaining daughter Violet. The series was launched in lockdown, but I'm hoping she continues to release weekly episodes. (laughs) Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed Diary She Wrote. I'd love to hear your feedback, so please do contact me at info at or on Instagram at diaryshewrote. And if you're enjoying the stories, I would love it if you could share them with friends, rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening. And for further details on characters and locations, please see the show notes. I will be back next Sunday at midday with a new episode. Diary She Wrote was produced in partnership with Birdline Media with original music by Ethan Illingworth.